the banks of the Great River, high above the Allure Gorge. This is the Buzzer Podcast. Indie music, new releases, industry insiders, out-of-the-box conversations with guests from the true north, from the west coast to the east coast, to across the pond, and from down under. And now, here is Shay. Hey, y'all. I am Shay. This is the Buzzer Podcast, independent music releases, global coverage. Welcome and enjoy. The Buzzer Podcast will wind down season one of both shows. The top shows of season one will start airing September 6th. The shows airing have the top fan engagement, subscribes, and download count. Today, we have Hamilton, Ontario artist Kevin Estrella. From the band Pyramids on Mars on the show, the original broadcast aired February 23rd. His latest music video, Phoenix from the Ashes, is on YouTube. Check it out. It's awesome. Enjoy the show. Today we have Hamilton, Ontario-based band Pyramids on Mars. Dropout Entertainment nominated the band for Best Metal Video of 2020 for the track Song of Light. Kevin Australia is here to talk about his music, the creative influences behind the unique otherworldly of his sound and other great stuff. Welcome, Kevin. Great to have you on the show. So, Kevin, what is the most impactful story your music has shared and why? Well, I think it's uh, actually more to do with the style of music that I play and um, how I approach songwriting. Uh, my music is instrumental rock, in, very similar in the style of uh, guitarists like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai. Um, and there's also many other, a lot of other rock musicians out there now, uh, you know, instrumental guitar players who, uh, who play too. But my... Um, a lot uh, what a lot of these players do though is there's a lot like the lead guitar is, is quite predominant in, in your face with a lot of instrumental rock guitar music um, and it's become a lot more and more of that of that uh, more and more these days um, but my music is more um, in the style of Joe Satriani in this type of story writing that he tells with his with his music. His music is very melodic and he has very strong melodic themes that that show up in the songs. And that's what initially inspired me when I first heard Satriani were these very strong melodic themes that you could sing. And that was like, my God, that's that's what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. That's how I want to play guitar. And so very strong melodic leads um, are, are very important to me in a song. In a song, um, and they tell a story. They do tell a story, but the song itself also has to tell a story. And um, I'm influenced. You know, my influences. Yeah, I have a lot of you know Satriani in my influence, but I don't. I haven't listened to Satriani like probably five or six years. I've gone my own direction. I've taken you know the best of, of Satriani, the best of Vi, and the best of my influences. But all I focus now on is, is what I do, and my influences are more coming from bands like Rush, and Tool, and Led Zeppelin, and the band, the the unit of the band, the drums, the guitar, the bass, the keyboards. The song, you know, it's, it's all about the song. And that's where the storytelling takes place. For me, the most important thing has always been the song. It's not about the guitar solo. It's not about any of that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what's turned me off a lot from a lot of um, new guitar players that I hear today who are instrumental rock musicians who put out instrumental guitar stuff. And why do you feel that? about guitar players and it just seems like the song is is really a, a jam track for them to show off their technical abilities and there's not really a story that's being told there's not a really grabbing riff in the song that says hey this is the song it's more like a backing track so that they can solo over and i'm not about that that's not what i do um I'm, that's not my kind of music. You know, for me, it's about the song. It's back to like what Saturini was doing, where the guitarist sings a song and tells a story. Wow, that is an interesting explanation. Thank you for so sharing that's, that. So that's really my approach. 
Um, I use a lot of repeating themes when I play. Uh, there's a lot of repetition in the melodies that I play so that you can actually hum it all the way home. Love that. Love that. Um, they, they catch in your head and you can remember them. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've had people tell me, yeah, you know, I was walking down the street and I had this melody playing in my head and I had no idea where it came from. And, hey, I realized it was your song. That's pretty cool. So it's it's got to be a, a, mel a melody that's memorable. I mean, you listen to the best uh, the best um, classical music, the, the pieces of, of classical music that you remember yourself. What was it about that song that you remember and why you can sing it? Or why you remember it? It's because it was mem it was it was a melody that was memorable and was not overly complicated, you know. Like think of you know Vivaldi or Bach or you know these or or you know Mozart. Da 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 da. da, da. You know you remember because you can sing it. So that's important to me. Song has to tell a story. Kevin, you come from a musical family. I do know that. Uh, your dad is a gifted jazz player. Has the jazz influence strongly influenced your earlier music, or is it showing up in current releases? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, actually, as um, I actually, the first music that I was introduced to was actually jazz when I was a little kid, when I was like, you know, three or four years old. My father had a, a turntable, and my dad's a, you know, he's a jazz musician. He plays trumpet. He's always been in a jazz band. So I was always surrounded by music from an early age. The first music that I was actually uh, ever exposed to was uh, some of his jazz records. So um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Um, but actually a lot of it, what, the real, what, the, what I really liked was his um, Herb Albert uh, and the Tijuana Brass albums. And um, it, was, it, was, it was the catchy melodies that Herb Albert was playing, um, and he's a trumpet player, and you, you hear his music all the time that's used in so many TV shows and old movies and stuff like that. And once again, going back to what I was talking about, about melodies, is because he had catchy melodies. The songs were short, but the melodies were really, really catchy and caught on with people. Yes, his music did. And... Um, it wasn't until like in the last couple of years, we uh, we all got together and bought my father a new turntable, really really high quality, and then he and then we're sitting there you know at Christmas time and he pulled out all his jazz albums, and we're listening to it on vinyl and honestly vinyl is there's nothing no experience like vinyl, um, I've I'm totally about vinyl, um, my friend has a most eclectic vinyl uh, player with these. These with the T E K or Tel Tez um, white monitors, studio monitors from from England that are from 1968, the same kind that Abbey Road was was uh, um, uh, mixed on. He's got these speakers, and oh my god, we were listening to nothing but vinyl for a whole evening. I got to I got to hear David Gilmour's solo album in vinyl. We listened to Black Sabbath the uh, uh, Masters of Reality on vinyl. The experience was unlike anything you can even imagine. We've we got to get back to vinyl. Oh yeah, I agree. Vinyl sound is 100% the best format. Anyway, so we're sitting there going back to you know listening to the jazz records from my father and I'm listening to these Herb Albert albums you know, 30 years later, and, and I'm thinking, you know, the way he played that, the way he phrased that, and the way he wrote that song is exactly how I would have written a song. And then I realized that subconsciously I was influenced that much by Herb Albert that I didn't even realize it until, you know, looking back at my own DNA circuitry of who I am as a musician and what was important to me in the song. And it happened to be Catchy Melodies, good song structure that's not overly complicated and memorable, very memorable. So it's kind of like it came all full circle again. Um, and I never realized how much of those old, you know, older jazz albums had, you know, had, has had such an influence on me. It was, it was quite remarkable. Thank you for sharing that, Kevin. Your music is somewhat rebellious and unconventional. It definitely has its own sound. Why is that? Why is my music rebellious? Well, it's, I just, 
I, I don't conform to one particular style. And that's the, that's the, the signature of pyramids on Mars. Um, and that's what I've been come to known as is that, you know, if you listen to a pyramids on Mars song, there's not, you know, songs that they're not all the sounding the same. You've got, you know, certain bands who have a signature sound, and if you hear one of their songs, you can recognize their them immediately by their sound in almost every else thing that you know they put out. I mean, you know, good examples of that are ACDC um, or uh, Tragically Hip. So they've got a you know a, a sound that you just recognize. With Pyramids on Mars, it's a little bit different. I, I use I have different influences from different bands, and those influences will will come out. Um, in songs, and uh, a, a lot of songs I've written have actually been inspired by. Okay, so when I'm working on a new album, I actually have a a, a, a little list um, which I say, you know, like my song ideas, and it'll be like a song in the style of this song from this artist, um, a song in the style of this song from this artist, or it'll be like I, I want to write a song that has this quality of this song from this artist, but does this from this artist and then, and then, you know, transmute two songs into one. Wow. That is amazing. Um, a perfect, a perfect example of that is my song, uh, Mercury Magnetar off of edge of the black. Now, if you listen to that song, um, it's in a five, five, four groove. Um, and it was the, it was the, it was the DNA merging of two songs. I took, Joe Satriani's song "Unstoppable Momentum." I took that five A groove and that that riff that he played, and then I took the chord progression of Queen's song "Radio Gaga" and those keyboard sounds, and I added I I, I merged the two together. Why did and and that's the that's the song that I was hearing in my head was those two songs merged together. So when you listen to Mercury Magnetar, you're actually, it sounds like a completely new song, and it is, but it was because I had the creative vision that I heard two different songs, completely unrelated songs, um, together as as one. And so that's that's a good example of, kind of the kind of crazy things that I do. So I would say that it's, my music is very, um, it is rebellious that way. And I'll, I'll write a song, you know, that's in the style of Jimi Hendrix. I'll write a song that's in the style of Meshuggah. You know, or write a song in the style of Saturani or Ministry or, or you know, Extreme. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Um, Your music took a turn in the album Edge of the Black. Uh, there was a, a, grass, a, a drastic change that took place during Edge of the Black during the last half of the album. And then I was writing most of my music on my signature guitar, which is, um, that guitar is actually designed by Alex Lifeson of Rush. And he played that guitar in the late 80s on the album Hold Your Fire and for those tours. And so that song, that, that guitar has a very specific tone. And whenever I play that guitar, that guitar just says something. It, it speaks for itself. I don't write the music, that guitar writes the music. And then that guitar ended up writing half the album on, on Edge of the Black. It wrote... You know, the ambassador. It wrote Arcturian Rain. Um, so, and that started the, the new direct direction of where I was going musically. And my new album that's coming out, which is Cosmic Angels, uh, has that signature sound. And a lot of the direction of where I was going, the edge of the black, is now is now the new direction of of where Pyramids of Mars is going. Well, let's expand on your influences. You have very outstanding and unusual influences that affect your songwriting. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I have a lot of influences that are affecting my music that are more than just my my musical influences. Um, you know, like, I have a lot of classical influence in my music as well. Uh, my well, my greatest inspirations come from come from J.S. Bach and Antonio Vivaldi, Antonio Vivaldi uh, Baroque classical composers. So there's where a lot of my melodic ideas come from is from classical music, directly from classical music. Um, my guitar playing, uh, I'm more influenced by violin music than I am guitar music. 
that that's that's what attracts me is violin music, and so whenever I hear violin melodies, that's what I transcribe onto my guitar, or I think of my guitar as if it's actually a violin. So that's that kind of influence comes in there too. Let's talk about Star Nation. And that is a that is quite a long story because um, I am an experiencer and I have had. Um, Continuous extraterrestrial contact since 2014. Um, I'm I've done over 60 UFO radio interviews. Count that again: 60, six zero, because of my ongoing continuous con- uh, contact by extraterrestrials. So um, I speak publicly about them, and I work uh, closely with a group who are um, they're Zetas from uh, Zeta Reticuli. So they're the extraterrestrials that most people are familiar with who are, you know, they're short and they're gray with large heads and big black eyes. Um, they, uh, the group I deal with are, are the Ponte, who live in a, they're in a base under the Sandia Mountains in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I, I work very closely with them. And they visit me on quite a regular basis. In fact, right now I'm staring at my Pyramids on Mars poster, which has um, hand dust fingerprints of them all over it with these long, long fingers that are, you know, two inches longer than humans. And there's only four fingers. They covered my entire poster with their handprints. The Ponte? I'm staring at it right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, Yeah, they come here all the time and hang out. Um, But they've taught me a lot of things. And one of the greatest things that they taught me was uh, one of my my teachers, her name is Teeny, And she said that you realize that music can be communicated at a telepathic level. And I was like, I did not understand this. I didn't know it was possible. And she said, well, you essentially are already doing it. You just weren't conscious of it. And you can tell stories and you can weave stories and images in your music that will actually be recorded in the recording. And so I was absolutely, I couldn't believe it. It was like, it was a complete paradigm shift for me. And I asked, can you help me develop this and and help me to teach, teach me more about this? And so she did. And so uh, Edge of the Black is the result of those teachings. There's a lot that the music is is telepathic and being communicated at a telepathic level. So it's it's carried on emotional wavelengths of pure emotion, of of pure love in all the strings and all the the notes that are being played and being played full heartfelt. And that's, that is the communication on a telepathic level. And that is what extraterrestrials listen for. They listen for the emotion that's in the music, the actual emotion. That's one of the things that they, they taught me. What else have they taught you? Uh, they also taught me about the tonal language of the whales and how the whales speak a very complex tonal language that is also telepathic. And I asked if they could teach me this. And a couple of years ago, one of the new girls, her name is Thera, and one of the new Ponte, she was teaching me this. I received a massive download from them one evening. Kev, what is the download? Um, it's kind of like, you know, the best way to describe it, if you've seen the movie The Matrix, when, when the Neo is getting all these cards put in and they're downloading all this information and all of a sudden he's like i know kung fu that's not science fiction that's based on reality on real things that take place and the kind of technology that extraterrestrials have where they can download you with information i've experienced it so many times and the symptoms are always the same after i've had a download the next day i'm i'm extremely groggy and extremely tired and i usually have to go home and take a and have a, a long um, download reboot nap um, and it literally feels like a reboot uh, because of how heavy some of these downloads are but I digress anyway one of the downloads she gave me was actually the tonal language of the whales introductory course it would be almost nine months before I actually uh, accessed those those memories of those teachings and then I ended up writing Nahuatl on my um, on edge of the black and there, in that, in the main melody of that song, is tonal language. The melody is actually 
it's, it, there's no words, but the melody, the tones that I'm playing actually are saying, do you hear me? And I was, I was, I didn't know it at the time when I wrote it. It wasn't until afterwards that I finished the song and was listening back. And all of a sudden I got a, it was like a sudden knowing. And I heard a translation of the music and it was, do you hear me? It was, I was actually saying in the recording and I just broke down and cried. It was the most incredible moment of my life besides the birth of my, my first son. Um, what happened with that tonal language. So uh, my, my extraterrestrial teachers have taught me so much and they continue to teach me and there's so much that they have to offer to teach us of, of, of the 16 million years of advancement that they have over us. Amazing, Kevin. Well, the sound of Pyramid on Mars has definitely evolved over time. What can fans expect in your next release, Kevin? Well, getting back to, as, as I was saying, with um, the uh, how my music continues to evolve, uh, where each song does not sound the same as the next one, and different, each guitar has a different tone than another guitar, and the guitar wants to say something different, so the music is always evolving. You, there's still the same elements in Pyramids on Mars. Um, you know, the way the songs are structured, the, the tones um, um, uh, and, and the melodic themes, a lot of that is very structured, but the sound will be completely different. So with the new album, as I explained, a lot of it, half of the album is, was written on the signature guitar. However, the other half of the album sounds completely different than anything else that I've done. It sounds more influenced by, uh, sounds more like my older band, Shatter Instinct, when we were more of a Tool-influenced band. And so I'm playing everything else on my Les Paul guitar, which has uh, been tuned down quite considerably low. So it's, um, there's a long story about how this happened. Tell us the story. The other songs on my on my next album, my guitar, I, I went to pick up my Les Paul one evening last year, and... And it sounded so rich, and I started all these song, new songs just started to come out, and were just coming out of the guitar, like song after song, like like written like in one take. These great song ideas, and I was recording them all, and then I realized that the guitar sounded really lower than it normally did. And I went to check the tuning, and the guitar was completely retuned. It was tuned down a, a whole step and a half from where it was. It was like. I, I did an analysis. It was actually tuned to a baritone setting, but it was also at a different frequency. Because I, I tuned my my music is played at 432 hertz and tuned to 432 hertz versus 440, and there's a reason for that. I'm not going to get into it right now. But my other guitar, my, my Les Paul, when I checked the tuning, it had been tuned to 528 hertz solfeggio frequency, which is the love, it's a, it's a healing frequency. DNA repair frequency, love frequency. I didn't do that. I was like, okay, who retuned my guitar? It wasn't that it was out of tune. It was completely retuned. Somebody came in here, physically sat down with the guitar, retuned it to a different frequency. And then I found out that it was one of my Ponty friends, Grayson, who had retuned my guitar. And he wanted. He thought that um, I could experiment in a different frequency and a different retuning. And then he even, oh my God, this is crazy. I was in. I was in. I was interviewing Sue Walker and Reverend White Otter on my radio show, who are the telepathic translators for the Ponte. And while they were interviewing me, Grayson interrupted Sue and started talking to Sue to talk to me. And then live on TV, Grayson started to tell me how to, he taught me how to play my guitar and what to listen to. And he said, the, the low E string, listen to that as a, as a, it's supposed to be the eureka of the song and bring it back whole. And it was a long explanation of how he's explained how to play the guitar. And so the new album, the new music that's coming out, um, you're going to hear this guitar with these new tunings in the music. So it's it's a very different direction of where I'm going musically, and I'm really excited about it. And I think people are it's going to turn a lot of heads because nobody else is doing what what these albums sound like. It's it doesn't sound like anything else out there in the, um, in the music right now. 
Wow, what an incredible story. Your music definitely took a turn in Arcturian Rain. Tell me about that. With Arcturian Rain, um, once again, that was written on the on the signature guitar, and that song uh, was written in one take. Um, just picked up my guitar, and these beautiful chords came together, and I started to. The song just came together. There were, it was you know the whole song song structure just came, and um, it's not a, it's not an overly complicated song, but it actually ended up being my most favorite album or fo- most favorite song on Edge of the Black. Uh, it was the very last song for Edge of the Black that I needed. I needed one more song for the, to finish the album, and it ended up being Arcturian Rain. And I just fell in love with the sound of what I was doing with that, with that song. Um, it was just the energy, uh, the sound with it. It's, I can't describe it. Uh, it was just something beautiful. And uh, in the middle of that song, there's actually a breakdown, which uh, it gets very soft, and then these keyboards come in. And that is actually influenced by an um, an Arcturian, um, what did you call it? It's an Arcturian meditation tape of Arcturian music, Arcturian-influenced music that I found on YouTube. Because um, I needed something for the middle of the song, and then I heard that, and it was just to work perfectly with, with the theme of the song, and it ended up working into the middle of that song. So there's kind of a meditation piece that goes into the middle of this of this song, Arcturian Rain. So um, it's a beautiful song. I really, I really, uh, I'm really proud of it. And what about Monsfield? definitely impact your music oh my influences of Ingve Malmsteen um I could talk a lot about that <laughs> um I was I first heard Ingve Malmsteen when I was like in grade hmm, maybe nine I think it was grade nine or grade ten and uh it was a, a friend of mine he's a guitar a guitar player and we used to hang out at a music store in Orangeville Ontario and then I went over to his place, and we were, you know, um, trading off, you know, different stuff on the guitar. And then he pulled out this uh, on vinyl. It was uh, Ingve Malmsteen marching out. And then he played uh, uh, "I'll See the Light Tonight." And I never heard anything like that in my entire life. I was just completely blown away by what I was hearing. Uh, it was unlike any guitar playing I'd ever heard in my life. It was the fastest guitar playing I ever heard. the The classical influence was 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 definitely there which that nobody else was doing and it really influenced me i just loved what he was doing and back in high school you know all of us were like you know ingve malmsteen freaks he was like the the epitome of of the guitar god and so you know we're all learning how to we're all, all of us are like you know trying to woodshed and and learning how to sweep you know do guitars like sweep an arpeggio and then learn, you know, learn as many Malmsteen licks as we can. And a lot of us were, were not very good back then, so it didn't really happen. <laughs> but I spent years, uh, actually, I spent actually two years um, studying nothing but Ingve Malmsteen. Uh, that took place maybe about eight or eight or nine years ago. And I literally did not listen to any other music besides Ingve Malmsteen. I was uh, working, I worked in, uh, up in Guelph during that period of time, so I had an hour each way getting home. And I listened to a Malmsteen for an hour every day, and then I would go home and and uh, transcribe his fifty bag of tricks, basically learning all his different riffs and licks, why they worked, how they worked, and how to improvise with um, you know creating uh, melodies. And that's what I learned mostly from Ingve Malmsteen was that uh, he's never practiced a day in his life. That's what he said. He's never practiced a day in his life. He just plays melodies. And so that changed my direction in regards to how I practiced and what I focused on. So I stopped, you know, my rudimentary fundamental, you know, guitar lessons and went back to just playing melodies and learning melodies and and my chops developed from there. And then I would transcribe these melodies into tablature and and notations so that I would every, every, every melody that I created that was very classically influenced became part of my repertoire. 
and they end up becoming my guitar, my series of guitar online and guitar instructional lessons, which you will find on my website that links to uh, Pivot Chair. So if you want to, you know, learn the kind of guitar playing that I do, uh, go to my website pyramidsonmars.com and uh, click on the lessons, and it'll take you to the lessons. There's a lot of free ones there too. A lot of freebies, but uh, you know, for a small monthly subscription, you get uh, complete access to everything, including all tablatures and notations. And I, I don't just teach you, you know, how to play something. I actually show you the chord progressions behind it, so you actually understand the theory behind it, so that you can make up your own melodies and and develop yourself. And the series of guitar lessons that you developed that are offered online. A lot of them feature Malstein's uh, concept and approach. Yeah, so uh, those guitar lessons that um, that I've created, uh, there's a series that uh, a series that are very uh, Malmsteen inspired. So I've taken a lot of Ingve Malmsteen's ideas and I've uh, I've uh, transcribed them. They're a little bit. They're not quite exactly the same. Well, some of them are, but some of them are not. Uh, it's taking his concepts and then and then putting them into into transcriptions so you can understand. So I I, I show um, I teach his uh, his symmetrical scales that he uses, uh, particularly the harmonic minor symmetrical scale. You'll find the majority of his music is playing the harmonic minor or the uh, Phrygian, which is um, the same scale but starting on the on the fifth note. <laughs> the dominant. Uh, I'm not going to get the theory. I explain that in my uh, in my lessons, but that I, I teach though, that kind of stuff. I teach a lot of Ingve Malmsteen patterns that he learned from or <laughs> from from Bach and Vivaldi himself, and I and my own uh, versions of of what I've learned from Bach and Vivaldi too. So I take those melodic ideas and 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 show you how to turn those into into great. Uh, beautiful, beautiful melodies uh, that can stand out, um, and they give a theory behind it in regards to you know you don't need you don't need a lot of notes to make something memorable. If you got four to six notes, that's all you need. That's all you really need for a great melody. So uh, yeah, a lot of Ingve Malmsteen influence in, in my guitar lessons. There's Satriani influence in some other guitar lessons. And the Steve Vai influence and some other guitar lessons, and uh, Marty Friedman, and oh, oh, who I kind of forget, uh, Paul Gilbert. He's a huge influence on me, and you hear a lot of his uh, influence in my playing. So, why is Countdown one of your favorite Rush sounds? Um, Countdown really, for me, is like the epitome of uh, the perfect Rush. Um, it's just the balance of everything. Of the guitars, the the bass, the keyboards, the drums, uh, everything that just sounds in cohesion and creates such um, an emotion. That song is just so emotional and so powerful when you hear Countdown. And the song is about, uh, it was actually inspired uh, by the Columbia uh, shuttle launches back in the 80s. The Rush actually, you know, flew down there to see a, a flight uh, an account, you know, uh, um, one of the uh, launches, and it just in totally inspired them to write that song. And so when you hear that song, Countdown, it really feels like you're actually there. And it's so powerful. But there's there's elements to that song that, to me, are, is what really I like to do as a musician. I've really stepped away from metal. Um, I'm not so much influenced by or want to do metal anymore. I'm more influenced by Rush's, I would call it their um, mid-career. So albums like Moving Pictures, and Permanent Waves, Signals, um, uh, Grace Under Pressure, Power Windows, Hold Your Fire, that range of albums where there's a, a predominantly, there, there's keyboards, but it's the balance of everything in there. And uh, that is what really what I what inspires me, and it's just the chord the chords that Alex Alex Lifeson of Rush uses. Uh, he's not using power chords that you hear in metal. He uses like full chords uh, that actually are very expressive and tell a story. And that's what I'm really more into now is is chords that are more expressive and telling stories. And the guitar and the guitar is not the predominant you know in the in, you know the instrument. 
it carries with everything else that's going on. You know, sometimes it's the bass that's really carrying the song. So, and you know, when you hear when you hear the song countdown, it's the exact same thing. You know, where there's certain parts, the guitars are are, are more predominant with these beautiful chords, and then and then the you know and then, then there's parts where the bass is like kicking in, you know, full throttle, and really aggressive sounding. So to me, countdown was like the perfect rush song. Oh, definitely a lot happening harmonically. You've ha- had a really interesting collaboration with Stands with Bear. Tell me about that experience and how it came about. Wow, yeah, Stands with Bear. Yeah, Stands with Bear is, uh, he's a Native American flute player. And uh, I met him in Sedona, Arizona a couple of years ago. And it was it was funny, though, because... Um, I was told by uh, my extraterrestrial fr- uh, you know, uh, friends, uh, the Pontee, two years prior to meeting Stands with Bear, they said, they said to me, you're going to add Native American flute to some of your music. And I, when they told me that, I thought they were like losing their mind. I'm like, what are you talking about? Native American flute to my music? Where are you getting this from? But they told me that years ago. And then I, I go to Sedona, Arizona, and then Stands with Bear is doing a presentation, and then he starts playing his flute. And it was just immediately I knew, oh, my God, he's the guy they were telling me about. And then afterwards we met up, and 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 I told him I was a guitar player, and he said that he was looking for a guitar player like like my my playing for his band in, in Sedona. Because he's he's really he's really a rock musician as well. You know, he came from he was in rock bands back in the eighties, and so our musical um, influences and collaboration of what we love the most were both the exact same. We were cut from the same tree, and we just were just completely blown away by it. And we both traded. You know, I gave him a bunch of my CDs, and he gave me a bunch of his CDs, and then um, we really wanted to work together, and so then we started um, collaborations. Uh, I took several uh, pieces of my music, and then I stripped things out of it, and then you know I, I I sent them to him to add his piece to add his part to it, and he just did a beautiful job with 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 the, with the music. It was like a marriage, a perfect marriage in heaven. Um, the perfect blend of of our energies together created something new um, from from both of us. And uh, he's he's playing, you know, uh, he plays live, and he plays some of our collaborations um, live, you know, to for his his concerts, and and the overwhelming response is just it just says it all, it just says it all, and uh, we, you know we've got our music that we're you know we're sending out to publishers as well to be used in commercial you know for commercial purposes, and it is available for that as well uh, for people who want to check out that. We do have plans uh, in the future to do some more collaborations together, too. Wow, amazing. So next up is Nachwaffen. Tell us about the song, Kevin. So Nachwaffen is is about the secret space program. Because of my involvement with uh, many people in the UFO industry, I've uh, I've met a lot of people who are actually ex-members of the Secret Space Program, and I've been invited. I'm part of uh, secret um, chat groups on Facebook discussing a lot of these things. And so this song, Nachwaffen, is about the Secret Space Program, about uh, Nazi Germany who actually had UFOs. Uh, they developed UFOs back in World War II, and after the war... Um, many of them uh, left and went to Antarctica and and settled with n- uh, New Schwabenland. This is all historical. It's been it's not really talked about in the mainstream, um, kind of taboo stuff, but it's all very true. And you can look up uh, Admiral Byrd and Project High Jump, and that will tell you about what happened with the battalion, the three naval fleets that he took down there to try and take out these. Nazis, and then their fleet were attacked by UFOs that came out of the water, and with lasers they cut one of the ships right in half, and within half an hour the war, the uh, the war was over, and they and they they retreated, and this then the Nazis have been down there ever since, and now they've been in space for a long time, and that's developed in the secret space program. Long story. So next up, not Waffen.
Wow, that's so cool, Kev, about being about a secret space program. I love it. Love it. Very interesting story behind that song. Is Stands With Bear going to be featured on the new music? Um, he's not going to be featured on my personal release, but uh, we do plan on doing more collaborations in the very near future, which will be music that will be dedicated towards that cause of you know of you know pyramids of mars and stands of bear so it's going to be dedicated to that it's not going to be music that i've written already in the past and in the new versions we're going to write you know brand new fresh material for that and that you know i expect to we you know that kind of stuff to be coming out um probably in the next year or so so kevin you have your own podcast on artists first can you tell listeners about your podcast and what it's all about so I was approached three years ago by Artist First, um, by the producers, and I thought they were just contacting me, asking me if I wanted to, uh, you know, be interviewed for a radio interview. And then I talked to the producer, and he started talking about stuff and stuff, and, and he says, how would you like to have your own radio show? And I was just like, what? He says, yeah, you're an experiencer, and, uh, and um, you know, we have a hole in our, in our, in our network with Artist First, we used to have the Rally Martin show, and he became so huge that he was bought out by Howard Stern, and he moved over to Howard Stern's radio network. And uh, since then, we've had you know, we we had this huge you know massive following of uh, UFO listeners on our radio show who no longer had that material, and we're looking for you to replace them. So essentially, Pyramids of Mars UFO Radio has replaced the Riley Martin show. <laughs> so. And then the networkers have kind of been worried about, you know, like, well, if ever if I ever became big enough, that would, you know, Howard Stern approach me. Um, it hasn't happened yet, but um, it was a it was a theoretical, uh, uh, an interesting conversation. But my radio show, Pyramids of Mars UFO Radio, I interview experiencers, so people who have had extraterrestrial contact, you know, um, multiple extraterrestrial contact. I also interview. People who are hybrids, who their genetic makeup is a little bit more than just human DNA. There is a bit of, there's a little bit more ET DNA in what they are. Some people I interview are um, hybrids in a soul sense, where they are actually dual souls, where they're partly human soul and partly extraterrestrial soul. I also interview people like like um, Sunbow and uh, Garrett Duncan, who are ambassadors for Sasquatch and who have telepathic, you know, conversations with Sasquatch and have written many books. So, you know, I, my show covers all kinds of stuff. I interview, uh, you know, uh, researchers like uh, Jason Quitt and, and uh, Grant Cameron. Um, and uh, so my, my show covers quite a lot in the, in the UFO field. It's for educational purposes and to help prepare people for official first contact. So official first contact is actually happening in the fall of this year. So be prepared. So what can we expect from Pyramid on Mars this year? I'm working presently on finishing a new album, which is uh, called Cosmic Angels. However, I'm doing something a little bit different this year. Rather than releasing an album, I'm going to be releasing the album in singles. I'll be releasing each individual song with music videos to promote those songs. It's a completely different marketing strategy, and I've changed uh, changed gears quite a bit because you have to adapt with the times and what marketing strategies actually are better in today's society. In today's music um, music world, so I'll be I'll be releasing singles every few months of the songs from this album, and then later on, at some point down the road, a full album will be will be available. But these songs will be released as singles and available for for streaming or for for single uh, single purchases. We hear the song "Ambassador" next. Talk about the song, Kevin. Next song, the ambassador is. Uh, it's kind of a tells a story itself. Um, it's a great song. 
on Edge of the Black that uh, tells a story of a of um, a person who's been a, a, become a spokesperson for the for the planet Earth to uh, use newest technology to go through a black hole, uh, turn a wormhole into you know to new 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 civilizations, and uh, try try and make contact with extra civilizations somewhere else you know in the universe. So that's kind of the story behind that song. So next up, the ambassador. <laughs>
I love that song, Kevin. That was a great track. One of your songs is a ballad about a long-lost love. I want to hear the story behind that. Oh, boy. You had to ask that one. Yeah, there's a... It was actually the first song that I wrote for Pyramids of Mars, which was um, on the first album, and it's the last song on the album called Never Forgot You. So that was the very first song I ever wrote for Pyramids of Mars, and uh, it was uh, very touching, uh, uh, very touched, very touching for my heart. That has to do with uh, um, a lost, you know, a girl, you know, uh, a girl that I lost. Um, it was kind of like. We both grew very close, and because of life circumstances, it was like two passing ships in the ocean that will were never meant to um, ever see each other or be together. So that was a, a very heartbreaking, a heartbreaking story uh, for me um, of that song. Um, it's I don't like getting into details about who it's about. Um, but it is it is about someone who's who very it was very I was very close to and I had to let them go or we had to let each other go because of um, that it was just the timing in the universe that never worked out for us and we were in circumstances that were impossible for us to be together. Um, one of life's lessons, you know, some people in life will find um, someone they love. Um, who is their soulmate or who they love and, and will find love on, on earth and others uh, um, will will never find life will love in this uh, on this timeline it just wasn't part of their their contract thank you so much for sharing that Kevin so Kev thank you so much for coming on the episode thank you Shay for having me on the show I've had a great time where is it best for fans to follow you like what platform are you more active on? Yes, you can follow me. Best to follow me on my website at pyramidsonmars.com. Please don't forget to subscribe so you can keep up with uh, updates of everything new that's coming up um, and, and new music and new lessons if you're a guitar player and all kinds of uh, trips and ticks, you know, uh, uh, tips and, and tricks for the independent uh, musician. So please uh, subscribe to that. Follow me on pyramidsonmars.com. Follow me on Facebook at Pyramids on Mars. And you can also follow me on Twitter, pyramidsonmars underscore. So there's where the best place to find me. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the Buzzer Podcast Network. Season 2 begins soon. The Buzzer Podcast will wind down Season 1 of both programs. The top episodes of Season 1 will start airing September the 6th. These are the Season 1 shows with leading fan engagement, subscribes, and download count. The gratitude I have for the remarkable artists who share their music on the Buzzer Network is over the moon. To our loyal listeners, thank you for tuning in and being a powerful part of our achievement. Because of you, the Buzzer Podcast is top 10% of the most popular shows out of over 2.6 million podcasts ranked by Listen Score. Follow us on Instagram at The Buzzer Media and on Twitter at The Buzzer Indie. Subscribe, please, at thebuzzerpod.com. Without you, none of what we do is possible. Listen in and remember, without music, our campus is blank. On-air indie, from iPad to yours, over the airways. Until next time, cheers, y'all.